Hi everybody, and welcome to the Sweet 16 edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathman, and coming up this week, we'll be talking with our buddy John Crispin from Westwood One ESPN and Sirius XM. He's on his way to Madison Square Garden to call the Sweet 16 there, and we'll talk to him about the men's tournament in just a moment. Several reminders as we get underway. This week, the finalists for the 2023 Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Award have been announced. And on the women's side, we salute South Carolina head coach Dawn Staley, Virginia Tech's Kenny Brooks, Terry Morin from Indiana, and Lynn Roberts of Utah as our finalists on the women's side. For the men, the finalists are Marquette's Shaka Smart, Matt Painter from Purdue, Kelvin Sampson from Houston, and Jerome Tang of Kansas State. And reminder fans that you'll be once again able to support your favorite finalists through the Naismith Awards fan vote. That's presented by Jersey Mike's, and that runs beginning on Tuesday, March the 21st, and it runs through Tuesday, March the 28th at NaismithFanVote.com. And that fan vote will account for 5% of the overall final vote total. So make sure that you get involved. You can also do it by visiting our at March Madness and at March Madness WBB Twitter pages to vote for your favorite men's and women's coach. Now we'll talk about the men's tournament with John in just a moment, but want to bring everybody up to date on what's happening in the women's tournament. And uh, we've had a shocking upset if, as you know, Stanford, which was the number one seed in the Seattle Four region, they became the first number one to fall short of the Sweet 16 since 2009 when Ole Miss got them 54-49. to So that throws that side of the region wide open for the likes of number two seed Iowa, Duke at number three, Texas at number four, Louisville at number five. Stanford is out. Elsewhere, form held. South Carolina, the undefeated defending national champions, are the top seed in the Greenville 1. The Indiana Hoosiers landed the top seed in the Greenville 2. They won their opener by 30. And Virginia Tech, the ACC tournament champion, got the top seed in the Seattle 3 region. And they will take a 13-game winning streak to the Sweet 16 behind their star center, Elizabeth Kitley. Lots of stars, of course, in the women's field, led by our reigning National Player of the Year, South Carolina's Aaliyah Boston, looking for her second straight national title, more than 80 double-doubles in her incredible career. And Aaliyah's going to have plenty of competition from the likes of sharpshooting Iowa star Caitlin Clark, who's already put together 48 points and 24 assists and two wins to help Iowa reach the Sweet 16. We've had some great tournament individual performances already. Grace Stone, Five threes for Princeton as they upset NC State. And how about Angel Reese of LSU, the third seed? Angel had 34 points and 15 rebounds in their opening win over Hawaii. Great basketball has been played. Plenty of great basketball to come. And we'll have more with John Crispin to talk about a wild and zany men's first and second round play. That's coming up in just a moment after this from Jersey Mike's. Did you know at Jersey Mike's, when you get a sub Mike's way, you're getting all the authentic toppings, onions, lettuce, tomatoes, oregano, and the juice. And did you know I, Danny DeVito, am a world-class opera singer? While the first statement about Mike's way at Jersey Mike's is true, we cannot confirm that Danny is actually singing Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Oh, yeah? Figaro, 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 Oops. Our sneaking suspicion that Danny was not singing opera, but in fact playing a record has been confirmed. Knew it. Ask for your sub Mike's way. Jersey Mike's. A sub above. 
This is the time of year, the Sweet 16, when we count conferences to see who's left. But there's no doubt about it that the state of New Jersey, the Garden State, is the center of the college basketball universe. Last year was St. Peter's, and this year we got Princeton, we got FDU. So we go to the mayor of New Jersey basketball, and that's our guy, John Chrisman from ESPN, Westwood One, Sirius XM. John, how are you doing, my boy? Uh, well, I'm good. My bracket is not. That's always the question we get this time of year. How's your bracket? And I'm like, don't ask. There's far too much logic and reason applied to me selecting teams for the NCAA tournament field. Uh, I tend to be more wrong than anything else. So my bracket's terrible, but, man, college basketball's good. And if you re-racked the tournament, took the same 68 teams, replayed them, same sites this weekend, you'd have a completely different list of winners. Yes, and and that's ultimately what makes it so fun. Like, people talk about uh, this is how you uh, find out who the best team in college basketball is. Well, no, that's not the case. It's about finding the team that can play the best that night. That's it. And, and I think we also have to be reminded that it's not winning national championship. It's the road to the Final Four because coaches will tell you just getting to the Final Four is like winning a championship. Anything that happens after that, that's just gravy. That's icing on the cake. Getting to the Final Four is the real feat. That's what's celebrated the most. The national championship, I think anybody who's been in the game understands how difficult it is to win a national championship. Uh, just getting to the Final Four tells you everything you need to know about your program. And, John, I'm starting to think that if you can just survive the first weekend, you've had a great season. Yeah, ain't that the truth? I mean, you look at Purdue uh, losing to, to a, a, a fairly Dickinson team who's the smallest team in college basketball. You have the giant that is Zach Eady. But what you do see is matchups really do matter. And it's not just this, this arbitrary matchups conversation. It's really like, how can I make my disadvantage an, a, an advantage? Uh, how can I make being small an advantage of mine? And teams have been able to figure that out. That's what makes these games so interesting. It's like, yeah, you know, produce a juggernaut. Uh, but they may be more, more difficult for a like-minded team or a similarly matched team than they would be for an FDU who says, I don't really care who you are. We're going to play small, and we're going to make you uncomfortable. I think that's what makes this whole tournament so fun. Again, not about finding the best team. It's just finding the team that can play the best on that given night, and that's what makes it entertaining. Well, you mentioned Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, how are things in T-neck? Because what a weekend uh, they had. Uh, this is amazing, John. Uh, just the whole the whole story from where they came from to what they accomplished yeah. this year is just amazing. It, it's been incredible too when you you think about what you know how few games they won last year. They fire they hire Tobin Anderson, a Division two guy who is actually very good friends with my brother. So I got to spend some time with him at the at the first four, and they play with a ton of confidence. They're different in the sense that they'll press and they'll run and jump. They'll play fast. They understand they're the underdogs. They they relish that mentality. Uh, and it's, it's become a big part of their identity. And you start to stop and say, well, wait a second. That's very similar to the identity of last year's Cinderella in St. Peter's. Where we know we're the underdog. We're not expected to be here. We're not expected to win. But, but if you take on that identity with pride and conviction, you can do dangerous things in the NCAA tournament. So I, I think all things are good there at Fairleigh Dickinson. The challenge is going to be, can you keep Tobin Anderson? Because for him to turn things around the way he did in year one – You've got to think with a lot of these job openings available, he's going to be discussed as, as a potential suitor. John, as we look at the Sweet 16, are there teams that 
you've got your eye on to say, you know, this team or these teams are getting hot at the right time? I think it starts with Creighton. Uh, Creighton was a team earlier this season where, where we, we talked about them as a Final Four caliber team. You know, when you watch them play in Maui, you see that length and their ability to score and space you out. You see, this is a Final Four caliber team, but when Ryan Conkbrenner went down with Mono earlier this season, they lost, I think, six straight games. They really fell off a bit, and I never really left them. I always just said they've got to find it again. Well, they're finding it again in the NCAA tournament. They're they're competitive physically and defensively. That's not really who they are, though. They create pace on the offensive end. They space you. They're really difficult cover, and they can control their game with what they do offensively. I think that does give them a little bit of an edge. I, I also think UConn is another team that we talked about as maybe the best team in the country earlier this season, and they're starting to play like that again. And what you notice is that some teams are better when they get outside of their conference. You know, they almost have to assimilate in a way. You see the Big Ten. There's a reason why there's only one Big Ten team left. It's because most teams assimilate to win in their conference to be able to get to the NCAA tournament or even to be able to win their Big Ten tournament title or the Big Ten regular season title. The problem is that style doesn't work in the NCAA tournament. It's not free-flowing. There's no rhythm to that. It's more control, less freedom within the game. Whereas the teams right now that have figured out how to play free basketball, they're dangerous. You know, Texas is a great team, but I would look at Miami and say, Miami, what a tough matchup for Houston. Tough guards who can handle the basketball. Hard to pressure that team. Hard to trap that team when you have guards that can create off the bounce. So there's a lot of intriguing matchups in the game right now. Even Bama and, and, and San Diego State, a physical, experienced San Diego State team, they're going to give Bama everything they've got. I've got my eye on UCLA. They're well coached. They've got the requisite stars. They've been through this meat grinder. They know what to expect. What's your take on the Bruins right now? I, I love everything about what Mick Cronin's doing, and, and I try to remind people that it's still just the beginning, right? The success early is something that you kind of get enamored with, and you start to, to define them on the surface. And it's like, no, 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 don't define them on the surface. Define what he's instilling there from an identity standpoint. And what you see is toughness in Westwood. I can tell you as someone who played there, as they transferred to UCLA, mm-hmm. Toughness was never a part of the identity. It really wasn't. And Ben Hallen tried to do that, but it was hard to sustain. Mick Cronin is that. And I think that's something he's bringing to Westwood that is different. It's something that wins in the Pac-12. And I think it translates to the Big Ten when they move to the Big Ten. The biggest key for them is finding some offense. Uh, They've struggled at times. David Singleton with the injury. We're not sure what his health is going to be moving forward. And then not having Jalen Clark, their their best on-ball defender, best overall defender, that's going to be a challenge because that's a shot to their identity. He was a big piece of that identity. But scoring, to me, will, will be what determines how far they go. We mentioned, of course, uh, the state of New Jersey, and uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't get your thoughts on the only double-digit seed that's left in the Sweet 16, a number 15, yeah. the Princeton Tigers. It, really impressive. Uh, really impressive. What, what's funny is they actually control the way the game's played. Uh, you, you saw them do it against an Arizona team that just didn't understand how to pick the pace of the game back up. They fell right into Princeton-style offense, and it's a little different. It's, it's like Princeton offense-ish. It's not the full-on Pete Carrill Princeton offense. They're really looking to to pop, pick out, get threes. They use the back cut a lot of times to set up the perimeter jump shots, and it's difficult for teams that haven't seen it all year. So it's almost like you know when we talked about Syracuse back in the day. Well. They could struggle at times in conference play because teams are familiar with them. They understand how to attack that zone, but when you see them in the NCAA tournament on a short prep, it's a difficult thing to figure out. 
Princeton's offense, the way they run it with the options they have from the perimeter in and then, then the inside out, there's a lot to figure out in a short amount of time. So that's a tough team to prepare for. I think the length of Creighton gives Creighton a little bit of an edge, though. It's going to be a challenge for Princeton to get back cuts and threes against that Creighton length. You know, it's just so crazy, John. You mentioned how wacky this tournament can be. I think of, of Xavier. I mean, they go up against Kennesaw State, and they are down and out. Eight minutes to go. All Kennesaw State's got to do is hit a couple of shots, and that baby is over. But they didn't make them. Last shot's blocked, and, of course, you know how it ends. Xavier comes on. And then, after hitting two three-pointers in that game, they turn around less than 48 hours later, and they hit 16. And that's how nuts this tournament is. And I love the line from Sean Miller, the Xavier coach, when he said, how did you come back from 13 down to beat Kennesaw State? And his quote was, I'm not really sure. And I think that really does sum up how crazy this weekend has been. You know, you know what he probably could have said is because we had to. And we have experienced guys that don't want this season to end. We understand that the real potential that we're sitting on here. And I think that was the question coming into the season. Like, there's great personnel there, but what's it going to be like under Sean Miller? Is it going to be a circus? Well, it hasn't been a circus at all. It's been a, it's been a show. Uh, or maybe it's been a circus, but it's been a good circus. It's something you want to see. It's great basketball. It's good skill. It's ball movement. It's a really well-coached team. And it was great to see. I thought the matchup with Xavier and Pitt was a good one. I thought it was just kind of cool seeing Sean Miller play his old team. You know, there's obviously familiarity there. But but Sean Miller's really shown something. He's a different coach this year, and I think he's show he's showcasing how good of a coach he really is. So good to see good to see Xavier playing as well as they are. That's going to be a, a crazy game. Xavier in Texas, man, that's going to be a physical, hard-fought game. I, I still hope that game can get up into the 70s and 80s where it'll be a fun watch. So tell our fans uh, where we can listen and uh, what games you've got coming up in the Sweet 16. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm headed up to Madison Square Garden on, on Wednesday morning to catch practices for the East Regional. Uh, we, we've got FAU, which has been a great story all season. I think they kind of fell off the radar a li- little bit, mainly because FDU's success. You know, if FAU had beaten uh, Purdue in the second round, it would have been a much bigger story. But FAU is a top 25-level program all season. And they're going to have to go up against a physical defensive juggernaut in Tennessee. So that'll be the first matchup. And then I got K-State, who has been a fun, fun watch. I mean, they just, they ball. Uh, they've got great guard play. Marquise Noel has been terrific with the basketball, shoots it from, from deep, but creates off the bounce. Keontae Johnson, one of the best stories in college basketball, given his, his heart, the condition he had at, at Florida, wasn't able to play, came back to Kent State, uh, K-State, and has been terrific. And then Michigan State and Tom Izzo. Uh, the story of that program and what that program is doing in terms of representing a community that is still healing uh, from the shooting they had on campus. Tom Mm -hmm. Izzo is the leader on that campus. He is the leader in that locker room. He's the leader on the court. And I think you're seeing the value of good leadership at a place like Michigan State. And it wouldn't surprise me to see Michigan State walk into the Final Four, given the story and given the personnel. I think they're playing basketball at a high level right now. The Big Ten sent eight teams Seven are gone, and of course the one that's left, Tom Izzo. It's amazing how he gets it done. Isn't that right? Death taxes and Tom Izzo this time of year. Well, John, thank you. Exactly. Well, John, thank you so much. I know you're a busy man, but we really appreciate you. Um, And, of course, as a national voter, uh, we solicit your opinions every year about our awards, and 
You always come through for us. So thanks for taking time, and we'll be listening on Westwood One this week. My pleasure, man. Anytime. It's great to be relevant. This time of year, it goes too fast. And that will do it for this week. What craziness awaits us this weekend? We'll find out. Until next week, Bob Rathbun from Atlanta, from all of us at the Naismith Awards, saying so long.